Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Yowie Central. I'm Sarah. If you've seen a Yowie and you want to get it off your chest, or you've had an encounter with some other weird cryptid creature, or you've got spirits or aliens hanging around, or anything else kooky and spooky, get in touch with me at yowiecentral at gmail.com. And don't forget, due to an email hosting issue, that new email that I have, the Sarah at com, isn't active at the moment. It will be soon, but it's not active at the moment. So make sure you use the yaoicentral at gmail.com. I had an absolute blast doing the conference for our Alien Ancestry last Sunday. It's the first conference I've done on this subject, and I haven't done a long talk for years. But I've really enjoyed putting it all together and giving my presentation, although I was definitely a bit nervous beforehand because I'm used to being the one asking the questions and I'm a little bit more uncomfortable being in the spotlight. So it was certainly a new nerve-wracking experience, but a great one. If you missed it, I think you can still catch the whole conference on, the, on replay and you can grab a ticket from the Our Alien Ancestry website. We're heading to Spooky Town this week with a few ghost stories. Kieran joins us to share some of his spooky experiences, including a a very poignant story about a young Australian soldier who died on a battlefield in France in World War I, as well as disembodied footsteps and the ghost of a little girl in a haunted house that he used to live in. It sounds spooky, right? Definitely is. So let's get into it. Here's Kieran. 
Kieran, thank you so much for writing into Yowie Central. You have a, a ghost story for us, and I did read through it, and it's it's kind of spooky, but it's a fascinating story. I'd love you to tell it uh, for our listeners. So go oh, for it. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it, it is an unusual story. It's uh, and it's it's something that when it happened, uh, I was never never really looking for for any anything supernatural anything at, at, at the time. Um, I'm I'm actually a, a military collector, uh, and I have been collecting Australian war memorabilia since I was about six years old. Um, to you know, to give you a little bit of an insight, my my dad was um, in the army, you know, in his uh, in his younger days, and as was his stepfather, and yeah, you know, we have a, you know, a pretty significant um, family military history. And just when I was uh, six year old, my, my dad gave me a, a little uh, Rising Sun badge, gave that to me, and told me you know, who it belonged to, and and that just sparked an inter- you know, like a, a bit of an interest, and which has just escalated. You know, I'm now forty nine years old. I've been collecting since the, since that, that period of time, of, of time. I've met some incredible people. You know, I've travelled the world, but this one incident, uh, which happened in a, in a, a battlefield in France, is is what really yeah, it, it rattled me, and and how this all happened was um, as uh, my my collection grew and my, my interest grew, I, I actually joined um, what was essentially uh, like a military reenactment group, uh, and I, I would have only been 19, 20 year old at, at the time. You know, we used to dress up in period uniforms and um, you know, do catafic catef- parties, and uh, you know, and, and it actually gave me the opportunity of. Um, displaying my war memorabilia and uh, i mean my my collection is wide and varied you know i've got diaries i've got documents i've got uniforms you know, i've got all, all sorts of stuff I, I love talking about it uh and so this group would actually travel around schools and um you know go to you know rsl clubs and things like this and we, we put on exhibits and uh so this particular day i was actually um uh, with, with a group and i was actually talking to a, a group of school kids and my, my parents were, were actually close by um, on this particular day. It was, it was you know, it wasn't too far from home. Just out of the blue, the, the, this gentleman just walked up to me and he just said, uh, oh, oh, you know, I, I really like what you're doing. I said, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, he introduced himself and uh, he said, are you going to be here for a while? I said, yeah, 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 I will be, yeah. And he just walked away. <laughs> I didn't think too much of it. It was probably about you know, 20 minutes later, he, he just turned up again and uh, he just said, look, um, I've got this this year, you know, this is a, a diary, you know, belonged to my great great uncle. I've got no one to give it to. I I really think that you can do something with it and um, yeah, here it is. You know, and he just gave it to me and and I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> and uh I, I just started uh, you know, I, I just opened it up and I, I realized what it was. And I just sort of looked at him and he just sort of nodded his head and said, Um, no worries, I'll see you later and he he just walked off. So I said, oh, I was probably 18, 19 at the time when he gave me this diary. And it was a First World War diary. Uh, the, it actually belonged to a, a gentleman who, um, he was 19 years old when he enlisted uh, during the First World War. Uh, he was from the Telangala Valley in Victoria. He, he basically uh, enlisted. It appears that he may have enlisted um, without his parents' permission. Um, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on. He uh, went over to uh, did all his basic training in, in Egypt. Um, unfortunately, he may have you know, contracted something over there that wasn't very nice. Was sent back home. Bob Tommy got back home, cleared up, and off he went. He you know, the, he he, uh, he was reenlisted again, and uh, he was put in in as a fifth battalion uh, um, a reinforcement where he went to France. 
Now, this young bloke, he uh, he unfortunately you know, was, was killed in action on, on the 25th of July 1916, which was uh, also known as the, the, the Battle of Poziers, um, one of the, the most horrific bloody conflicts that the Australian soldiers have ever t- taken part in. Um, you know, 23,000 casualties in uh, in a period of six weeks. It was just horrific. It's just horrific. Um, yeah, absolutely horrific. So, and uh, and unfortunately, um, this this young bloke now his name was uh, I'll call him James Henry. I, I, I don't know whether I should be yeah, calling yeah, but should I mention his surname? Uh, uh, yeah, um, his, his to- name is James. It's totally up to you, Karen. Yeah. I, I I can't see any harm in it, but it's yeah. if you're feeling yeah. like you're hesitating, then then that's okay. No, no, no. His, his name is James Henry Council. Um, and like I said, he, he was uh, so he, he was 21 years old when he uh, when he lost his life, um, and I, I just can't uh, imagine you know me being 21 and being put into the position that he, he would have been in. But yeah, so 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 basically, you know, he, he's you know he's gone to France and lost his life, and uh, but he's he's uh, all, all, all these you know his personal effects made it back to Australia, ended up um, you know with the hands of his, his family, and henceforth it's been passed down to this to this gentleman. So. Now, when it when it's ended up in, in my in my hands, I, I was a bit sort of shocked, and and even I, I, he didn't even really fill me in with too much information about. It. I, I had to come do a lot of the research myself. <laughs> so it was a it was a case of uh, yeah, here it is. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you you've got it now, and and you left it with me. So, but it's quite a quite a moving sort of period of time for me because yeah, this was just something just incredible to, to be you know given in. To, to be actually you know, handed over to me, you know, you know, I was the, like the next custodian of it. So, yeah. So as as the years have gone by, um, I then started giving more and more talks, telling a bit of your story and and, and so forth. Con- continued you know, collecting stuff myself. Yeah, I, I just always really wanted to you know, take that, that that just that, that little, little bit further. You know, I, I wanted to take it to the next level. And uh, then, of course, I I, I met my uh, my, my uh, future wife and. You know, we we did a little bit of travelling, and uh, and the opportunity arose for us to um, uh, after we got married, uh, we actually uh, twelve months later we, we decided to go and, and travel around around Europe, and of course, yeah, um, to the battlefields of France. So, yeah, I was pretty excited, and uh, the the one thing that we we actually did, um, I wasn't going to take the original diary with, with me, but I actually did a I had a transcript of the diary, and so when I went to France, I actually followed in uh, in uh, James Henry Council's uh, footsteps. So wherever he went, um, we we actually just just went there and just yeah you know, even just meant going to the town and having a coffee you know but we we just you know we we just travelled around to the to, to the places where he'd been, and uh, the 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 place where he actually uh, spent his last night and and it was in his diary he actually says uh, he had his twenty first birthday uh, in in a town called Albert, uh, and Albert is only a couple of kilometres away from Poziers itself, so we actually uh, stayed in a, in a pub. Um, in, in in Albert, and and that's where we uh, we, we set ourselves up. Yeah, you know, we stayed there for a week, and we just yeah you know, hired the car and off we went. We just, uh, just drove around the battlefields. It was a you know, a great great holiday to spend with my wife. I'm sure she yeah you know, she she went she went along with it all. But yeah, you know, I can imagine that a, a lot of wives wouldn't have been real impressed with um yeah you know, exploring cemeteries you know, for a, <laughs> for an overseas holiday. But she was that uh, my yeah you know, my my lovely wife was uh, more than happy to to go and and uh, and do that with me. And now this was in about September, October. It was like it was just coming under winter, so it was bloody cold. And uh, some of the weather was a bit bit how you going. So it, it took a couple of days, and we, we finally had uh, you know, some some really nice weather. And uh, we decided to go and 
travel up to the Posia Cemetery. Now, unlike a, a lot of other cemeteries, the, the Posia Cemetery is, a, is actually surrounded by big marble walls. It's a, a different sort of atmosphere there. You know, a lot of the cemeteries over there have just got like just just like a little stone wall that, that surrounds it. They're, they're usually in farmland. Posiers isn't like that. It's actually surrounded by by walls. And there's about two and a half thousand graves, two thousand seven hundred graves, I, I believe, are in inside the cemetery. So here I was. Um, Megan went one way, and I went the other way, and it, it, I just felt uneasy. It was. Uh, the, the cemetery itself was was just so moving, um, and uh, and it wasn't like it was different to other cemeteries. Like as far as the the, the amount of graves or anything there, it, it just I, I just didn't feel right. So you know, and I was just just walking around and feeling pretty emotional. <laughs> and, you know, looking down, there was you know like soldiers there, like you know, young blacks who were 18, 19 years old, and uh, you know, even now, like I'm starting to get goosebumps just talking about this. I, I'd start walking over towards where my wife was, and. I wasn't really taking any real particular path. She was across the other side of the cemetery. And I, I just felt just a bit of an urge to walk up this one aisle. Yeah, I'm, I'm wheeling my way through. And uh, as I've got to this, uh, I started just walking uh, along this one row. I felt like what, was, what would be essentially well, not being an asthmatic, but I couldn't breathe. Uh, I mean, I was gasping for air. I, I couldn't. I you know, and I, I, I just stood there for a bit, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, "What the hell is happening here? <laughs> am I having a heart attack? Yeah, you know, great. Yeah, here I am in you know, the Blade Western Front. I'm going to die in a, in a World War One cemetery. Yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't, didn't know what the hell was happening, and uh, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to panic a bit. Yeah, so it's, it was almost like I was hyperventilating. I was, you know, I was, I was just gasping for air, and I stopped, and it got to a point where I, I actually collapsed. Um, I, I dropped down to my knees. And it was then that you know, Megan was across the other side of the cemetery and she saw me collapse. So she's, she's run, run across thinking, what the hell has happened? Um, and as I've uh, sort, of, you know, sort of dropped to the ground, and I'm just on my haunches. That's the spookiest thing. Um, and uh, I said, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just starting to you know, get a little bit emotional now just thinking about it. Um, but I felt someone put their hand on my shoulder. And, uh, and it was almost like a bit of a gentle nudge. And uh, I just looked to my left-hand side and... Uh, uh, lo and behold, here was a, a grave of a unknown soldier uh, from the 5th Australian Battalion. Now, the 5th Australian Battalion was the battalion that my soldier was in. And he was flanked by other soldiers who had all lost their lives on the 25th of July, 1916. Uh, the, the same date that he had uh, also been listed as um, losing his life. Just seeing that was enough to... That, that, that shattered me. I'd, you know, I burst into tears and Megan got over to me and she goes, what, what's going on? I said, look, I just couldn't breathe. I, I'm, I'm right now, but look and Megan looked and, and she saw the grave herself and she just said oh my god can it be and I'm, I'm kind of I don't know you know I, I, I really don't know but um Megan to all credit yeah she grabbed me by the arm she said look I've, the atmosphere is not right I think we have to get out of here and she grabbed me by the arm and uh, and helped me up and we, we actually walked outside the cemetery and almost immediately as soon as we stepped outside that those stone walls I calmed down and you know Megan's like saying to me like what the hell what happened now? I said, I, <laughs> I, I can't explain that. She goes, do, do you think it could be him? I said, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, I was just a, I was just a, an absolute mess. And when things calmed down and I just said to Megan, I said, look, I've, uh, I'm just going to go back in there. And she goes, no, don't. <laughs> I'm going, no, look, uh, I've got to do this. I, I walked back in there and I, I found where I was and I took a photo. 
uh, took a photograph of the of the grave, yeah, flanked by the other graves. I, I didn't really think too much uh, about it again. Um, look, it was always in the in the back of my mind what what had happened, but there was nothing I could do. I, I couldn't really prove anything. I, I've always, I, you know, I've always carried this this grave whenever I've I've gone and, and done a, a dawn service. I always carry this uh, this this diary, you know, um, on my left hand side, uh, you know, at my heart. It's 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 a pretty important thing for for me to go and do. So as time's gone by, I've you know, we, we've had you know, we we started a family and um, and it was probably when when my kids uh, start started going to school um, that they they actually started asking for. for you know, if they could take some some stuff to, to school for show and tell, and well, I, I started you know trying them to buy you know like some helmets and some gas masks and and whatnot. And before you know it, that the school you know were wondering where all this stuff came from. And I said, oh, well, look, you know, it's been a while, but I, I actually used to give talks at schools um, back back in, in my younger days. Mind you, I was only you know I was only about you know twenty seven, twenty eight at the time. But uh, and they said, oh, do you think you might like to maybe do, do the same for us? And I said, oh yeah, no, that's fine. So. That started uh, what was essentially, I think it was about 13 or 14 years, uh, I, I actually started giving talks down at the local school uh, where I'd actually pull out all my collection, which consists of, you know, I've got mannequins dressed up as light horsemen and First World War diggers and, you know, First World War nurses. I've got Second World War diggers. I've got, you know, people from, you know, I've got uniforms from, from the RAF. I've got diaries, documents, books, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, I could fill up a hall. Like I said, I've been collecting for, you know, you know I've been collecting for a bloody long time. And from there, it ended up being not just one school. Then other schools would come on, come through. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, what I would then do is I'd go and take a, a week off, and I, I'd talk to thousands of schools, uh, school kids. And then I, I started talking to historical groups, and it just went on and on and on. But I would always tell the story of James Henry Council, and uh, that there was, you know, school kids can, you know, like young young kids can can be very um, blasé about you know war and, and so forth, especially with all the video games and things and. And you know that there's nothing more sobering than to go and tell a story about a, a young fellow who was probably you know could, could be no, no no older or about the same age as you know, a, a primary school's you know older brother or sister. Um, but to tell a story and actually have his last thoughts written in a, in a diary, and to be you know talking about him and then and then close the book and say what do you think happened next? And the kids go, oh, I don't know, you know, and it's like well um he died. It's a yeah, you know, it's a it's a. It's certainly a, a really good way of making kids realise that you know war just isn't a video game. That it's you know this is this is just horrific. You know it's a, a it's a lot loss of someone's life, but it wasn't just one life. It was like thousands and thousands of, of Australian lives um, that were you know, thrown away over in the, the, these you know, wars. Uh, wars are far. So I've always felt pretty proud that I could actually go and tell tell his story. Of course, yeah. You know, internet was really good. I was able able to access um, some really good service records, and th- this is where I was really able to then dive right into my, my research of, um, you know, particular items that, that that I have. But in, in particular, James Henry Council, I was able to really sit down and and do a lot of research into him, and that was where I discovered that um, I, I did actually have uh, two enlistment numbers, and I was able to to explain like the fact that he had actually. He'd enlisted and gone abroad, and then he, he had come back sick, and then he re-enlisted again, and he, he had another crack. I was also able to do, determine that he was uh, what was known as a, a Lewis machine gunner. Um, he'd been trained up uh, with one of the very first uh, portable machine guns that the Australians or the Allied troops had actually used during the, the First World War. 
Um, he'd received the, the, the training and he was actually part of a, a group of soldiers. Um, you would have like a number one and a number two and a number three and a number four. And all these men were assigned to a machine gun. You know, some would carry all the ammunition. You had the number one and the number two who could actually operate the gun. If one was in, you know, killed or wounded, the other one could take over and so forth. And so I knew that he was a Lewis machine gunner. But I also found out something that was really interesting, and that was the fact that he, even though he's, uh, he was killed and he, he didn't have a known grave, um, when he was uh, actually buried on the battlefield of, uh, of France, his grave was known, and his burial coordinates were, were actually written down and, and listed on, the, on his paperwork. Now, the reason why this was done is because as these battles were, were raging, ground was you know, being captured and the, you know, the battles were going to and fro. When things were settled down, uh, you would actually have recovery units that would go through and they would actually exhume the bodies and place these uh, bodies in, in, in proper cemeteries. So it was very important that if someone was actually buried in the, in, in the field, that they would actually take a note of exactly where these bodies were buried so this could be done. So it was interesting to know that he, he wasn't always an unknown soldier um, buried in a grave, he was very much a, a known soldier, and they had actually given him proper proper burial burial coordinates. That was that was really interesting. So, you know, about twelve months down the track, you know, things sort of ground a bit of a halt with my research, and uh, I came across a, a publication that was written. Um, it was uh, put out by the Australian War Memorial. That the story was written about another gentleman gentleman who was also in the Fifth Australian Battalion. He was also a Lewis machine gunner. Now, the, you, there was only so many groups of these Lewis machine gunners who were assigned to a battalion, so it was it was quite interesting to um, to see that the just the, the small little transcripts of, of this soldier's diary, that like someone else's diary, who was you know pretty much the same as, as my man, and a lot of the stuff all sort of coincided with with, with each other, um, like parades and and so forth. And but when it got to the twenty fifth of July, nineteen sixteen, well, actually the twenty fourth was actually when when they hopped over. This is where things got really spooky because as I'm reading through the, the, this soldier's transcript, he was talking about the, the right in the middle of the, the, the Battle of Poziers when you know, the, he'd been 65 hours without sleep. The, the battles were raging to and fro. Like it was, you know, there was counter-attacks upon counter-attacks and in, in one short, sharp action, there was 100 Australian soldiers who, who were killed. I mean, this was just, it was just horrific. Absolutely horrific, like the, the things that, that were happening you know, during during these you know, couple of days of fighting. But his his own Lewis machine gun and his own section were all completely wiped out, all by himself. So the only person who actually survived was himself, uh, and, and his gun was taken out of action. Now this this man, his name was George. He was scrambling through what remained of the the, the trenches in, in in his section running to and fro, just trying to find another Lewis machine gun um, so he could, you know, try and help repel these attacks that, that were happening. And old George got to this one section, and here it was. He, he saw his best mate laying in a trench. His best mate's name, his, his best mate's surname was Ruggles. And poor old Ruggles had, uh, unfortunately um, and tragically, had both of his legs blown off and bleeding to death. Now, Ruggles was also surrounded by his crew of the Lewis machine gunners, you know, in the number one, number two, and so forth. And, uh, and all these blokes were either dead or dying. And it was only just then that the, it actually, the name Ruggles hit me. And I'm thinking to myself, where, how do I know that name? Yeah. And, and it, was, it was really bizarre because I can remember like sitting at home in front of the computer and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm, I'm, I'm looking. And, and so I, I actually scrambled to the photograph albums, which I, you know, I'd pro- I probably hadn't really opened them for nearly 10 years. 
and I went and opened up my uh, photograph album, uh, pulled out the, the one photograph that I'd actually taken when I visited Posia Cemetery. And uh, lo and behold, the, the grave that was sitting next to the unknown soldier of where I had my strange experience was the grave of Ruggles. Now, th- this, this is a cemetery of 2,700 men who were buried there, and, and somehow I've, I've selected you know, the, 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 this, this one person. So then, whilst I was in front of the computer, I thought to myself, no, nah, th- how can this be? <laughs> this, surely, surely my man couldn't have been part of Ruggles's, um machine gun section. I, I, I actually looked up Ruggles' uh, service records, which have all been digitalised. So I've gone through uh, his reports and, and, and so forth, and lo and behold, um, Ruggles also had burial, burial coordinates. And when I've actually brought up... Uh, James Henry Council's burial coordinates, and uh, I put them alongside uh, Ruggles's burial coordinates. They were exactly the same. Both of these men had actually been buried in the same place on the battlefield of Poziers. Now, I do know that when these graves units would actually go through and, and re- retrieve the bodies from the, from the battlefield, that they made a conscious effort to bury the soldiers side by side with who they they were. Found found the soldiers with on battlefield. It was it was like a bit of an un, like an unwritten law. If they found two soldiers buried side by side, um, they would actually bury these two soldiers back in the, in the proper cemetery, back alongside their mate who, who they they um, were buried buried beside on on, on the battlefield. Yeah, this did rattle me. Once again, it was pretty spooky at the time because I thought to myself, well, uh, is it possible that James Henry Council was actually buried alongside Ruggles? Both being Fifth Battalion Lewis machine gunners, um, both having lost their lives in the same place. Now, is is it at all possible that maybe these these two men were actually buried side by side, and and hence uh, when I've had that experience in France, you know, going back back, back those years, you know, all those years ago, is it possible maybe that was actually James Henry Council who, um, yeah, made me realise that you know that was that was him. It, it was that him putting putting his hand on my shoulder, saying, "Hey, this is me. Yeah, you know, look, 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 this is me." It would so, be an extraordinary coincidence if, if it just, yeah, it sound, it feels to me like it was him. But but how strange that you just happened to have that physical physical um, impact on you that that you know you can't breathe, you're hyperventilating, you you fall down to your knees and and you feel a hand on your a cold hand on your back, and then there's an unmarked grave plus. Ruggles, who happened to be in the same battalion, it's just yeah, it all and, fits into place, doesn't it? And like the the unmarked grave, it actually stated that he was an un, uh, an unknown soldier of the Fifth Australian Battalion. So even the unknown soldier, they they were able to identify that he was in the Fifth Battalion. So he wasn't just an unknown soldier; he was actually an un, unknown soldier of the Fifth Battalion. Yes. So you, so you can imagine, like you know, I've got this this far, and it's like, like so once again, like I've shown this to. To my family, and and ironically, around about the same time that I've actually discovered all this, uh, I actually put a, an exhibit on at the Beresfield RSL Club, and lo and behold, the man who gave me the the diary, he turned up. Yeah, mind you, he was yeah yeah quite a few years older than, than what he was when I when I first met him, and uh, you know, he walked across and he saw the the diary, and um, and I actually went and approached him, and uh, I said, oh, okay, it's Kieran Jeffries, yeah, and um. And uh, I, I had a, a good old chat with him, and I told him the story, and and he just sort of stood there and he just nodded his head and he said, "That doesn't surprise me." I said, "Oh, really?" And he goes, "Yeah." 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I left it to you, mate, because um, I, I really think maybe yeah, you know, he, he's fed a little bit, a little bit of peace now. <laughs> and, yeah. and once again, he just sort of he said, "Oh, yeah, no worries. I'll see you later," and uh, off he went. And uh, it was it was just just really spooky. Yeah, and maybe he wasn't at peace. Maybe he wasn't at peace, but now he is because you pieced yeah. together and you found him. You found his grave. So, so there's actually now there is a second part to the story, um, which I, I did tell you about, and this only happened uh, uh, only a couple of years ago. It was just before COVID hit in 2019. My youngest son is a very, very talented bugler, and uh, you know he, he started sounding the, the last post when he was, you know, he, he, he put a bugle to his lips when he was you know, quite young, only about six years old, and from there on he uh, he was able to just belt these notes out like you wouldn't believe. And, you, um, and to be, to play that particular piece, well, my father's a military musician as well, yeah. so to play that, and he has played the bugle, so to be able to play the last post. Well, on a on a bugle, you have to be damn good. Yes, well, um, Kai was actually given the opportunity to sound the last post at the war memorial. Oh wow! For the closing ceremony, That's an so honor. it was That's so it was a a huge honor, um, a huge huge honor. So so naturally, all the family went, you know, all, all the grandparents and yeah, you know, his uncles, yeah, you know, we all went to the war memorial. Uh, yeah, fascinating thing to, to 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 be there. And but of course, I took James Henry Council's diary. And I, I carried it with me. Now, Kai, when Kai stood proudly up at, at the end of the, the Hall of Remembrance, Kai was actually carrying uh, a photograph of James Henry. And uh, but I was also given given a, a very great honour. And uh, they they actually said because my, my son was up there doing that, would I like to lay a wreath? And I said, well, look, I'd be honoured to. No worries. So they they actually get you know gave me a wreath, and they gave me a card, and they said, would you like to write on? You know, you can write anything on the card. It would be anything you want. You know, you, you just write it. So whilst I was inside, and, and my, my family didn't know I did this, I actually wrote on the card, you know, to, um, you know, did, did um, James, James Henry Council, thank you for your sacrifice. Please know that you'll never, ever be forgotten on behalf of my family. Oh, and uh, How lovely. So I was able to play this brief. But, of course, uh, at the end of that day, things were um, – they, they closed the, 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 the place up very quickly – and I never actually got to go and get my, my photograph taken with uh, James Henry Cancel's name on the on the at the wall. So we actually went back the following morning, and it was you know, quite eerie because uh, at the same time, and you know, I, I didn't actually take any notice of this. Like when I was there the, the, the day the uh, my, my my son was um you know, playing the last post or sound, sounding the last post, I should say. But throughout the the, the day, the, the war memorial actually has children. There's a, a recording uh, over a loudspeaker where they actually have uh, children um, saying the names of of the servicemen who have lost their lives, who are listed on the on the walls. And this happens throughout the whole day. Uh, and yeah, you know, so you, as you're standing there, you can actually hear, you know, you know say like Joe Smith, yeah, you know, Fifth Battalion, yeah, you know, 21 years old. And then you know, a couple of seconds later, they they call out someone else's name, and. Uh, so this is something which is just—it's just on the loop, and it just plays throughout the throughout the whole day. And I, I did find out afterwards that they—I think that I believe the, the War Memorial had actually uh, given a grant to um, all the local schools around Canberra. Uh, that the, so they, they could actually go out and, and just record, and they they recorded something like ten thousand names. So there's ten thousand recorded names of children saying the names of, of the soldiers. 
you know, ten thousand out of the hundred thousand names that the listed. I felt, you know, I think that's a, a pretty fair effort for, for the school, for the school kids. But so they, they just have this, you know, all, all these names being read out on on a, on a loop. So here we were. We, we've turned up at the War Memorial the, the following morning, and I've I've made the V line for the for, for all the walls you know, near the Hall of Remembrance, and I've I've tracked down the, the fifth battalion, and uh, I found his name. And uh, I said to my my son, I said, oh, "Would you mind taking my photograph?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, no worries, Dad." So I basically, you know, once again dropped down my haunches with, with the diary. I, I, I've opened the diary up to his last entry. Stood there, and the moment they took the photograph, and I, I stood up, a name was read out over the loudspeaker, and it was James Henry Council, Fifth Battalion, twenty-one years old. <laughs> wow! And out of all of those thousands of names that they had on the list, it just happened to play at that exact moment I, I, I was a bit stumped and my mum looked at me because mum's always been with me like you know throughout the, this you know my, my collecting that sort of stuff and uh, mum was with me the, the day that this gentleman passed the diary under me and my mum looked at me and she just said did you just hear that <laughs> and and I said well I did I just want confirmation and I think you just gave it to me and she goes and my, 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 you know, all my, my family, well, you know, they're, they're all, I think we're, we're all just a, a little bit dumbfounded. Like knowing what had happened to me all those years in France and, and the fact that I've always made the point of recognising James, James Henry in, in whatever way or form, you know, whenever I give a talk, I, I'd, I'd always finish off with, with his story, with his diary. And, I, you know, I've always made the point of of making sure that he was remembered and and to think that here I was, that the moment that I pulled out his diary, at his name, at the memorial, his his name was was, was read out on on a random loop of ten thousand odd names. I don't think that's I, that, a coincidence. That's yeah, that was bizarre, and uh, it just makes me think that maybe um, maybe there's a little bit more to this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, look, is that him? Yeah, basically saying um, thank you. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was only just then too that I that was when I mentioned to to the family I said do you know what they actually wrote on on the reef yesterday and I said oh no and I said um I actually wrote in remembrance of James Henry Council yeah thank you for your sacrifice you'll never be forgotten and I said oh, I'm I'm the only person that, that yeah really knew what I what I wrote there and is this maybe just his way of saying um yeah mate I'm I'm here with you and uh, and uh, I'll just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, uh, yes, he's probably saying thank you to you for remembering him and for finding him, to finding his, his, his final resting place. Yeah, yeah. The next step, I don't know how I'm, I'm ever going to do it. I know that there's DNA testing and all this sort of stuff. I mean, how could I ever approach like an organisation with, with this theory? <laughs> and uh, I, I can remember like recently, you know, having a, a a good talk to a good mate of mine, and he, he'd never heard the story. And when, when I told him the story, he, he was in tears. And he just said, you, "You've got to find him. You, you, you've got to. You, you have to follow this through." And I said, "I know, but how do I do it?" Yeah, I'd probably um, start by speaking to his family. So, do you do you have a contact number for the man who gave you the no. diary in the first place? Oh, that's a shame. No, he's, he's since passed away. So, oh, okay. Um, because that's, yeah. that's where I would start is is to explain to the, his family, somehow reach out to his family and explain what happened. I think they're probably the only people who would have any sort of pull. Yeah. Any sort of pull 
Because what you're saying is perhaps to exhume the remains that are in that unmarked grave in France. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I'm not sure how you would go about that, um, but I, I would suggest you'd need his family's consent, but his next of kin, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do you think, yeah, maybe maybe he wants you to do that. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe what you've done is enough. Maybe you have Yeah, to, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, regardless of it all, it's 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 a really bizarre sort of um, occurrence. Uh, uh, I mean, look, I've, I've since had yeah multiple funny experiences, but I, I can't say that anything really comes close to yeah actually having someone put their hand on my shoulder like that, like something physical like that that blew me away. And like I said, I, I, you yeah, know, it's uh, it's almost like I've got someone sitting next to me right now because yeah, I've got the chills and I've got the shivers and. Yeah, it's just a it's just a really bizarre sort of feeling. Um, so you you and, you mentioned in your email that you sometimes feel him with you. Yeah, it's especially on the Anzac Day uh-huh. um, when I am carrying his diary. Yeah, and whenever I tell his story, I, I always get the cold shivers. Like I said, I'm, I'm talking to you right now about him, and I reckon the whole time I've been sitting here, I've, I've had goosebumps. I'll get the cold shivers whenever I, I, I start talking about him. It's it's just really bizarre. Yeah. It's really, really bizarre. Yeah, that's interesting. And the fact that he's you're still feeling that and, and that potentially his presence makes me think, and I'm no expert in this at all, but it makes me think that maybe he does want to be found, that he hasn't moved on yet and maybe he can't until he's been found. Yeah. Actually been found. It's fascinating, Kieran. Yes. Thanks for sharing that story. That was really interesting. I wonder how you could reach out to the family. There's got to be a way on social media that you could could reach out to that family somehow or put out word that you're looking for them. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, like, even the the town that he came from um, was – was actually submerged during the, the Snowy River scheme. Oh, Talangada, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, that town. Um, I mean, since then, I, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it is a bit strange because I, I, I do feel like, yeah, maybe the, the floodgates opened up after that because things completely unrelated to, to him have happened since. And that's, uh, I mean, but that's another story. Uh, yeah, it, it depends whether you've got time. And I can talk about some of those things. But What do you um, mean other, other, you're feeling other, Presences or other spirits. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, no. Certain things that have happened over the years. Yeah. Maybe there are. Maybe some some of the other fallen soldiers who are still unidentified are yeah, now yeah. <laughs> queuing up, waiting for you to yeah, find them as well. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, because uh, yeah, he's of, of course isn't the only um, piece of war memorabilia that, that I have, which uh, uh, yeah relates to a to a fallen. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Told you so. Yeah, no, but uh, like just, just funny things like uh, like the smell of my grandma. Um, I'm, I'm sure that my, my grandma's been about on, on the other occasion. Yeah, it's like someone sat on, on the end of our, our bed one night. Me and my wife actually experienced that. That was... That was, uh, and, and and it all seemed a lot of it seemed to happen when uh, just after my daughter was born, which is real, real strange. Yeah, and uh, it happened in a house which wasn't old, but it was full of old furniture. Uh, I think one of the first things that really happened was we, we did actually notice. Um, it wasn't just me. Uh, I, initially, I just thought they were seeing things. I, I kept on thinking I was seeing someone walk walk up our hallway. Uh, we had a, it's a big open plain there, living at our house, uh, at our old house, and. Uh, and I would see someone who I thought someone was just just walking up the hallway, and I'd glance and oh okay no one's there. And then um, this this seemed to have just happen. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say all the time, but just you know on a fairly sort of regular basis. And it even got to a point where our, our old Labrador went nuts one night. All the family just thought, oh that's a bit a bit strange. Like she, yeah, you know, she was a fairly placid sort of an animal, but she actually ran up to the hall where we would think that this person was walking up. Yeah, walking up and down the hall, and and the, the old dog just went went nuts. And what really did spook me one night was uh, I, I could actually see my my eldest boy's room um, from 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 the lounge room, and uh, just out of the corner of my eye, I, I actually saw who I thought was him in in his room. Yeah, like a you know young Blake Stanley with dark hair. Only to then have my son actually walk out of the shower up the other end up the, up the other end of the house. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's um, a bit spooky. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was a, it was a case of you know, as, as my, my son was walking past, I just said, "Mate, were you just in your room?" And he's like, "No." Oh, okay, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and like I said, there's there's no rhyme or reason for for me. You know, like I said, that the, the house is fairly new, and the the people were still alive that had the house and that they were the original owners. So I yeah, I, I couldn't actually explain that, but it was what happened to my daughter, uh, who was uh, she was only about eighteen months, two year old at the time. And, and like I said, this was all around about the same time where a person sat on the, on the end of the bed. And this wasn't just one. So my, my wife, who was actually laying next to me, actually woke me up one night and just sort of whispered. And she said, can you feel that? And I said, yes, yeah, I'm sitting on the bed. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I sort of looked and I said, there's no one there. And she goes, but they're sitting there. I said, yeah, yeah. But it, you could actually feel, like, you, you could physically feel that the end of the bed pushed down. But what happened immediately after this was uh, this, this one night, I, I actually uh, heard my daughter in her bedroom. Uh, you know, just just jabbering away, and and so I've I've actually got up to to go and see my my daughter, and I've walked in. And I said, "Oh, yeah, what are you doing, darling?" And she was sitting on the floor with all, all, all you know, sitting sitting there playing with toys. And she just said, "I'm playing with the ladies," and I just said, well, "What ladies, darling? There's no one in here. Come on, hop back in bed." So I, I picked her up and I put, I put her back in, in in bed, and I'm thinking that, that's yeah, that's a bit strange. You know, I didn't I didn't think think too much uh, about it until a couple of weeks later when it was Christmas time. My, my my daughter, you know, received two dolls. You know, like, you know, you could you could say like they were just like rag dolls. You know, they were handmade rag dolls from from uh, from two other family members. 
And of course, yeah, the, the question was asked, oh, so what are you gonna, what are you gonna call these? And she says, I'm gonna call this one Ruby, and I'm gonna call this one Min. And a silence crept across the the, the, the room because um, uh, my wife's Nana had, uh, had only passed away about six months prior to all this, and her name was Ruby. And there was actually another family member that was my my uh, my father-in-law's auntie, and her name was Min. Right, and did you? But did your daughter know their names? No, no, we we never ever referred to Nana as as Ruby. Right. How old was your yeah. daughter at the time? Uh, she was about two year old. About two. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 So either months, she was just starting to talk. <laughs> right. Well, um, that's 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 spooky for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm saying about 12 months, but it was probably a, a bit longer than that. So, so it's, Nana was probably had been gone for probably about five years at, at, at that time. But the fact that it felt like someone's sitting on the end, end of the bed and then, <laughs> and here's my daughter, you know, telling me that she's playing with, with the ladies in, in, her, in her bedroom. Yeah, that was that was just a bit spooky. And uh, as far as the, the, the funny smell, um, my, my grandma always wore foundation. You know, and whenever she'd go out, you know, she'd always you know, get the powder and, you know, powder up her nose and that sort of stuff. And I I always remember that smell. And uh, I was over at my mum's place emptying out the, you know, the, the last remnants of, you know, of my stuff that's still over at her house. This is well and truly after my, my grandma had passed away. I, I remember going through stuff this day and just out of the blue, I just, I could smell my grandma. There was no reason for me to, you know, my mum didn't use the same powder or anything like that. There was, you know, but I could smell my grandma. And just as I, I smelled her, I, I, I was rummaging through the small paperwork and I was, you know, throwing stuff in, in, in the bin as I, as I was going. And uh, lo and behold, um, there was an unopened envelope and I opened up the envelope to see what it was and it was actually a, an unopened birthday card for my grandma. Ah. Yeah, take care and love grandma. And ah. <laughs> <laughs> But after that, at my, my, my house, I, I remember being in the kitchen with, with my wife, you know, cutting up some stuff, getting dinner ready, and just talking about, about funny things in general. And then all of a sudden, this real strong smell, and it was the, the, sm- the smell of my grandma. And, and I, I've sort of I stopped and looked at my wife. I said, can you smell that? And she goes, yeah. Yeah, that's granny. <laughs> She's just coming back to check on you and be near yeah, you. Yeah, and, and, and look, yeah, and look, I, I can't say that I, I ever really feel uncomfortable about, about anything like that. That, that was actually quite comforting to think that maybe the grandparents were just poking their head in there occasionally just to um just to say hello. Absolutely. Definitely. Although sitting on the end of the bed in the middle of the night just <laughs> I'd say that was a bit Grandma, if you, if you want to come and visit me, please don't do that in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, another funny occurrence, um Having grown up in the, the Walls End area of Newcastle, I mean, Walls End is a very, very old area. My, my ancestry actually went back there, you know, six generations with, with my kids. But my in-laws were, were actually restoring um, a house in, in, in this old old street, and they were doing it up ready for, for, to, to be rentals. And uh, the, the tail end of the house had to be demolished. It was full of termites. So, and me being a sparky, of course, I, I was given the job of um, yeah, rewiring the, the tail end of, the, of this house. So if you can imagine, the the manhole was actually in in this open, this fully opened up section of the house which had been demolished, and the the house itself was all was all locked up. So here I was, I was actually up in up in the, the, the roof space, doing wiring after after work one one day. It had beautiful high ceilings and it had ceiling roses in, into every bedroom, and 
I remember being up in up on the roof, you know, doing whatever I was doing up there. And then I could actually hear footsteps. And I mean, there was timber floorboards, polished timber floorboards uh, throughout this house. So it was really, really loud. And I could hear the clip, clop, clip, clop, clip <laughs> throughout the house. And I immediately thought that must be my, my father-in-law who was popping around to see how things were going. And so I've called out to him, yeah, yeah, Kev, are you, are you there, mate? Is that you, Kev? Yeah, I've got nothing. I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's my mother-in-law. So I started calling my, my mother-in-law's name. Yeah, Sue, is that you? Yeah, I had nothing. And, and I could fair dinkum hear these footsteps walking up and down, up, up and down the hall into all the bedrooms. So I was able to walk around up in the ceiling space and actually look down through the ceiling rows. And there was nothing. I could not see anyone in this house. And yet I could clearly hear footsteps. And like really good, solid clip top. It was almost like they were like still cleats on, on, on the shoes. It was, that's how loud it was. But there was, there was no one inside that house. And I ended up bringing out my father-in-law on, on mobile whilst I was up in the ceiling space. I called him up and I said, mate, are you, are you over at the house? And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm still at work. Why? I'm gonna. Okay, no worries. I, I, didn't, I didn't sort of say too much more. I just got a bit spooked and I thought, oh, bugger this. So I bailed. <laughs> I climbed out the roof and, yeah, off I went. And, and I actually checked the doors as I was going because I, I couldn't actually access inside the house at that stage because it was all still locked up. So I knew full well that at that point that, well, no one was actually inside the house. So who the hell was walking around inside it? Um, <laughs> that is creepy for sure. So, that would give me the heebie-jeebies. So, but what was really bizarre was, um, now my father was, he's, a, he's very much a skeptic. You know, he, he doesn't really you know, believe in all this you know, heebie-jeebie sort of stuff. Um, although I think maybe now he's a, he's a, a bit more inclined to, to believe it because um, we're, we're actually sitting around at a family dinner table um, not long after that. And like all the, all the family had, had you know, done a little bit of work over at this place, you know, whether it be just painting and, and, and stuff. So we, we all we all knew, knew the house and everyone had a funny feeling about one of the rooms when you walked past it. So if you can imagine uh, when you walked in the front door, there was a there was a hallway and immediately there was a, a, a really big room off to your left and to the right. And then you walked down into a lounge room and then the kitchen was, it was at the far end of the house. The, the first uh, room on, on the right-hand side, Whenever you walk past it, I would always get a, get a chill up my spine. But I never thought too much more about it. I was actually up in, up in the roof this afternoon. and so he, But here we were, we were all sitting around the, the dinner table this night. And just in general conversation, I, I actually just said to my, my sister-in-law, because you know, she's pretty sensitive to all this sort of stuff, and I just said to her, I said, uh, have you ever felt funny in, uh, in Brown Street? Yeah, my, my sister-in-law, she, she looked at me and she goes, oh, yeah, 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 no, that, that room. Yeah, the, the first room on the right. And I said, "Yeah, okay." And my father-in-law, he just, he, he just, he just mumbled something. And uh, my sister looked at her and, and, and said, "Dad, what? Have you seen something, Dad?" And he goes, "Oh, oh, no, it's probably nothing." <laughs> and we're all like, looking at him, going, "What, what have you seen, Kev? Mate, what, what have you seen?" And he goes, "Oh, it's probably nothing. Look, I was, I was just painting there the other night, and um, you know, whilst I was up the ladder, I, I looked down and there was a girl standing in the doorway." <laughs> and we're just a girl. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just you know, blonde hair and yeah, you know, wearing a you know like a pink, pink or yellow dress or something." And he goes, "But oh, that's probably nothing." Yeah. So when I look back, she she wasn't there. <laughs> 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 and we're like, like, mate, did did you realise what happened to me the other night? And he goes, oh, "No." I said, "Well, you know, when I was up in the ceiling space, and I rang you." And he goes, "Yeah." I said, "Well, mate, I was." I was actually up there, and lo and behold, there was um, I could hear footsteps. 
I was actually ringing you because I, there was someone walking around inside the house, and yeah, and he's like, "Oh, okay, right, yeah." Oh, I didn't know that. Did they sound? Did they sound like a woman's footsteps or a man's footsteps, or was it hard to tell? Well, in all honesty, it sounded like a man's footsteps, but being on wooden floorboards, it was, it was so loud. Like I said, I, I honestly thought that someone had, had actually been there, whether it be my father-in-law or my mother-in-law, and was actually walking around inside the house. Because they, yeah, everyone was going over there and just just doing work, and so hence that's why I was walking around up up on top of the ceiling, calling out their name and looking down through the ceiling rows, trying to see who was there. And funnily enough, the people who actually end up renting the house never had any any experiences whatsoever. Oh, that's interesting. Um, maybe so. Maybe you and your family are sensitive to that other world, the spirit world, where not yeah. everybody is. Um, no, no, and. Uh, there's been a, a, a couple of occasions, and, and uh, funnily enough, whenever anything's happened, it's usually been with other family members because I, I know that the, the one really weird experience that I, I did have was on my wife's, me and my wife's 10th um, uh, wedding anniversary. Now, this was really bizarre because uh, we actually went to Mudgee and, uh, and we went out for, for dinner on our wedding anniversary. The, the, there was a really nice old restaurant. Apparently, it's like one of the oldest vineyards in Australia. And I, I believe it's called the Oatley's Estate. We actually went there this night. It was recommended, and you know, we were dropped off up there. And it was a really lovely atmosphere. And it was like, like a, almost like a two-level sort of, you know, it was all timber and you know, old brickwork and stuff. It was you know, a beautiful old, old setting here. And so I was sitting at, at this uh, um, dining table with, with my wife, and I wasn't, yeah, you know, wasn't pissed at that stage. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, was, I was just, I was, we'd only just, yeah, you know, had a sip of sherry or something like that, yeah, you know, as, 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 as an appetizer, yeah, you know, for, for, for this posh dinner that we we're going to have. And as I was talking to my wife, I kept on sort of looking over her shoulder because down on, on this next level, there was, there was a, a funny arched doorway um, in, in the brickwork. Uh, and there was a timber door there, but it, just to me, it looked like there was, it was almost like someone had airbrushed uh, a shadow of someone standing there on the store. And I, I just kept on catching my eye because I'm thinking, that, that looks a bit strange. You know, why, why would anyone, anyone go and do that? So as I'm talking to Megan, I kept on looking at, at this doorway and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> this just doesn't seem right, yeah? And I just said to, I said to, said to Megs, so I said, um, just have a look at that doorway behind you. And you tell me what you see. And as Megan actually turned her shoulder to go and have a look at it, it moved and it was like a big bloody black mass shot straight up the, 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 the staircase, which was in front of us, straight past us and shot into the kitchen that was behind us. Right. Right. And I'm not, I'll shoot myself. Megan shoot herself. <laughs> I don't blame you. And we both looked at each other and, and we both basically said the same thing. Did, did you see that? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And it was bizarre because then the hostess uh, for, for the restaurant actually came down to us and uh, brought the menus and, oh, how are you going? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful night. There's the lovely ladies down there and, um, and you know, you, it's a, you know, so it's a lovely, quiet night for you. And there's Albert. And I just looked and I said, who's Albert? And she goes, oh, Albert's the resident ghost. <laughs> and I, I just said, um, we just saw him. And she goes, what? I said, oh, I'm fairly certain we just saw him. He was standing in the doorway down there because now there's no shadow person that I can see because I could have sworn there was a, a person standing in that, in that doorway. I said, but as me and Megan have actually, Megan just turned her head to have a look, he's actually shot up at the stairwell and he's, he's shot up into the kitchen. And she goes, oh, okay, no worries, excuse me. And she raced off to the kitchen 
and she stood at the doorway and she goes, oh, guys, Albert's on the loose, just letting you know. And, and they just called, yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and she came back and uh, and I just looked at her and I said, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? And she goes, oh, Albert, he likes to play games. He likes to turn things on and off and that sort of stuff. But uh-huh. if we know, we, we just keep an eye on things. So you've got to be careful with the cooking to make sure he doesn't turn yeah. the stove off or something. Yeah. And she, she actually said there, there was some dish. Now, I don't know whether it's like a meringue or something. Or there, there was some sort of dish that, that she railed off. And she said she always makes it perfect because if she ever forgets to turn the oven off, Albert does it for her. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's something where she would have to cook it and like you know, build it up to a certain temperature, then shut the oven off and, and let, it, let it warm down and, like, and, and cool. And she said that, that she she would quite often get tied up doing something else. But whenever she'd come back, it would always be turned off at the, the, the exact right time. And she always makes it perfect because Albert comes and does it for her. Oh, wow. Maybe it was, maybe, I don't know what the dish was, but maybe it was one of Albert's <laughs> favourite dishes or something. <laughs> I, I, I certainly would not be going to you know, put all my faith in the ghost to go and turn the oven off. <laughs> no, but how awesome having a kitchen helper. if you <laughs> Having to turn out perfect food and, and you're busy. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> but that was, that, was a, that was a really interesting um, case. And like, and like I said, that was both that was experienced by both my, me and my wife, and then yeah, backed up by the by the owner, who yeah, or the, or the, or the manager, who just just shrugged off and said, oh, "Yeah, that's, that'll be Albert." Yeah, and I was like, "What? What the hell?" <laughs> that's awesome, Karen. Thank you so much for sharing all of those stories with me. I've so enjoyed listening to them. I mean, it, it's funny. Like I've spoken about the, those things I've talked about. The house I was talking about at Rosamond Street in Maryland. Like I said, there was nothing special about it, but there's something I didn't mention because I feel a bit funny about talking about it. See, my, my best mate died um, at the age of 39 of a brain tumour. Oh, I'm sorry and, to hear that. uh, That's very sad. And he had a really, it was really tragic circumstances um, like just prior to his passing because um, he had three kids and one of his children was actually killed in a car accident oh. um, at, uh, up near Hill End. And it was it was horrible. Like it was, he had twin daughters, and one of his twin daughters was actually killed. This all happened um, after a really nasty marriage breakup, and uh, and it was only his his second wife who actually pulled the family back together again, so he could actually see his kids. Yeah, it was a, it was a really it was a really terrible circumstance. But the, the, these children, who you know, his son was is my grand is, is my godson, and uh, and my son in turn was also his godson. I vividly remember the night. And I didn't know this was the same night that his daughter had passed away. Now, I hadn't seen his kids for, for a couple of years because of this marriage breakup. They, they'd actually all moved to Canberra um, with, with, with the mum. And the mum was still playing silly buggers and stopping the kids from, 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 from coming back down to Newcastle. Um, and then, look, it wasn't until he, he had the brain tumour and the operation went well, but it was still a bit hairy going that um, his, uh, his second wife actually pulled the family together and basically told his, his ex-wife, look, you've got to pull your head in. He needs to see his kids, and and that was when things started happening. Um, and what happened? He uh, he actually brought the kids down to our, our house one one day, and uh, and because we had animals, yeah, you know, we had um uh, we had guinea pigs and, and all this sort of stuff, and it was uh, uh, you know that the kids just loved it. And so when we actually saw them at, at the wedding, he's I spent all the time playing with with, the, with his daughters, and they were yeah, you know, it was just lovely to see them again. You know, so they're like my own kids. As we were leaving. They said, "Can we come to your place? Yeah, we, we, you know, we're going to be back down here in two weeks' time." I said, "I'd love it. I would love to have you over at the house. Yeah, and you can come and you can play with all the animals." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, fantastic." Well, it never happened. Um, they had the car accident, and uh, 
and um, young Jenna was um, was actually tragically killed in the in the accident. Where this is really really sp- spooky was the night that she died. I'd, I'd actually been out um, uh, serving drinks at a, at a friend's party, and I came back home about two o'clock, and I came into her bedroom, and my wife was asleep, and it was freezing cold. So this was like in the in the middle of winter. So I've come into the bedroom, and there was this. I, I thought it was a reflection off our ceiling fan because it was this bright ball of light on the wall and it was just like spinning. Like it had, it had a, a very bright outside to, to this light. And, and, and like I said, I, I just thought it was the ceiling fan like getting a reflection off somewhere and it was, and it must've been on. And when I've looked up, the ceiling fan wasn't on. Admittedly, I, 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 you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was pissed, but you know, I had a couple of drinks under, under my belt and I've, I've sort of walked up this, this light and I, I wrote my hand in front of it, and there was no reflection. It was actually just on the wall. And, you know, and I, I just sort of stood back, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, that's a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did what any normal person would do. I just went and had a shower. <laughs> and when I came out, it was gone. And I, I just sort of shrugged my shoulder and said, oh, okay, I'll put that one down to experience. I don't, don't know what that was. The following morning uh, was when I got the, the phone call. Um, it was from my mate, and he, he was... He was devastated, and he, he just said, um, "You know, Jenna's been killed in a car accident." Oh gosh, how awful! And it was that that night before. And what had happened? His mother-in-law, playing silly buggers, had actually driven all the way to Queen Bean and picked the kids up and driven all the way back to the Hunter Valley, had the kids for a week. But rather than just drive down the road and drop them off at, at him, she was actually driving back to Queen Bean, where he'd have to go and pick the kids up again. Now she'd actually been um, having chemotherapy and all this sort of stuff, and uh, and obviously a bit be wary from all, all the travelling. And um, she uh, she actually fell asleep at the wheel and veered off into a into an oncoming semi trailer, and it killed both his uh, ex his, his ex mother alone and his daughter. All the other kids survived, but he, his his little daughter was, was killed. And and that was the same night that this ball of light was on the wall. Ah, oh, okay. And uh, that's interesting. I, I I never told him. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you tell a grieving father that I think his daughter might have come and visited me the, that night? That's a, that's a tricky one, yes. But it, it is funny because he was Scottish, you know, really broad accent, and me me and him both as, uh, as young, you know, when we were in our younger days, we, we, we would always um, have a few drinks and, you know, he'd tell me stories and, uh, and there's a beautiful um, Scottish song called Flower of Scotland and it's, it's like the, the unknown, it's, it's, it's like the, the unrecognised... Um, uh, well, uh, sorry, unofficial um, national anthem of, of Scotland. Neil, yeah, he 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 taught me like, the, the first verse to this song, and that, that, and that was all I ever knew. And when he, I was with him the night that he died, and I was telling his wife as as he he actually had the gurgles. Um, I, I was actually with him when he started the, the gurgle, and I said to his wife, "I think um, I think something's happening." And he did he passed away about four hours later. I said to his wife, "I said." Uh, me and Neil used to sing this song, and she goes, well, "What's the, what's the name of the song?" And I said, "Some, it's, um, it's called Flower of Scotland." And, and she said, "Can you sing it for him?" I said, "Look, I only know some of the some of the the, the like some of the words." And and she goes, "Well, just just sing what you know." And I I did. I, I just I just sat there, bit, you know, by his side whilst he was you know slowly slowly fading away, and I I sang Flower of Scotland. So here it is, like you know, years later. This is well truly after he's passed away. And it was only like last year. I just had this funny dream that this one night in this dream it was both Neil and my father my father had passed away 
Um, you people, yeah, but both my father and, and my best mate died within 12 months of each other. And they were really good mates. And I had this dream that both Neil and my dad were with us. And it was so vivid. <laughs> I just, yeah, my, my dad told me that he's proud of me. And, and yeah, you couldn't believe how, how much me, me kids had grown up. And he said to me in this dream, he said, mate, can you remember that song, Clara of Scotland? I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, come and sing it with me. And the, in, in this dream, I, I, I sang the whole song, but, but the whole verse, like, you know, all the other verses. Oh, I, I don't know the other verses. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when I, when I actually woke up, um, I immediately yeah, pulled out my phone <laughs> and, I, and I flicked through. Um, I jumped on YouTube and I, I scrolled down through all these, you know, I mean, if you look up Flower of Scotland, you'll, you'll see, yeah you know, hundreds of, you know, like, you know, like football matches and that sort of stuff. And I singled out this this one football match in um in in Scotland, where um where, where the, this person got up and and, and sang it and the, and the whole crowd just you know sang Flower of Scotland. It was a really moving one. But I I listened to it because for some reason I I just wanted to reaffirm that the ver- the, the the words or the, the verses that I was singing in my dream was was actually the real thing and it was stupid things. I I couldn't even tell you what they are now. I but I'm, I'm listening to this. And I'm, you know, I was like, wow, that's, how bizarre is that? I've actually just sung verses to a song that I don't know. But then, lo and behold, the, the following morning, um, my best mate's, uh, my, my mate's sister, um, Elspeth, who lives in Sydney, she put a, photo, a post on Facebook saying, um, last night I woke up feeling pretty melancholy thinking about Neil. I, for some reason, I just thought about this song. And she actually posted the same video that I brought up the exact same video and she actually posted that on, on, on Facebook and I actually called her up and I said, Elspeth, I don't, don't mean to freak you out or anything, but this is what happened to me, to me last night. And she just, and she just started crying. She goes, Kieran, I, I had a very similar dream. He, he came to me last night and, uh, and we, we sat down and, and we started singing Flower of Scotland. Uh, it sounds, <laughs> sounds like he was visiting you to both of you that night. It's, it's yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we're yeah. both in tears. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I, I never knew how to breach. You know, when he was alive, and I, I sort of, I sort of regret it. But I don't. I, I never really knew how to breach, like you know, the, the, the subject of that all, of the light on the wall because um, that might have been a little bit too much for him. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit hard to tell a grieving father about something like, like that. Yeah, you know, like sometime afterwards, it was like, well, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Could have been. And, and like I said, I, I've never really regarded myself as being sensitive to, to this, but. Um, Oh, I think you yeah. are, Kieran. I think you're mistaken. I think you actually are quite sensitive to to the spirit world. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, and I was actually listening to you because it's funny. I listened to your podcast. I listened to the the Believe podcast. I, I, at the night time, I'm a, an hour away from from where I work. Yeah, close to an hour. So your podcast is perfect. I just whack my eye. I just drive and listen, and it just it just takes me a mind off. I just veg out. And there was there was a young girl. It was a name Jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a dear friend of mine now. Yeah, jazz. And yep. I was I was listening to to her, and it was actually her that got me thinking about um, James Henry Council and what and what happened there. I actually I I was thinking of her when you were telling me that story because <laughs> she did yeah. she did she talked about in one of her stories she was in a war memorial of some kind with soldiers' belongings, and there were there were lots of ghosts in there, lots of spirits in there. <laughs> See, I do. I do actually work in a hospital, right? Um, and there's weird shit that happens there. 
Yeah, well, that was one of the other places because Jazz used to be a nurse and that was one of the other places that she would often see spirits, she would smell them, hear them, see them, was in the hospital. Because I've I've actually seen what I believe was was a a lady, she actually walked around the corner into a lift as I was approaching it with a, what we call them gazundas, they're machines that we used to push around beds. I was actually coming down the corridor and she whisked around the corner into a lift, and when I got there, the lift door was open, and I went to go in there, and there's no one in there. <laughs> right, there you go. Um, I've been in the, in another um, ward where, one of the, as I've gone in there to go and do something, one, some of the nurses actually asked me to go and investigate one, one, one of the back um, uh, like petitions. And when I got up there, I said, oh, yeah, there's no one up here. Why is that? And I said, oh, I'll see where those curtains are pulled, pulled around in that bay. And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah, that, that just did it by itself. <laughs> That's weird. That's a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, and, the, and then... Uh, in, in that same place, um, I've actually had uh, – I was wheeling out some beds and when I went, went opened up the door and came back, all the sheets have been pulled off the beds um, that I was wheeling out. Oh, so right. I opened up the door to, to, so I could go and wheel those beds out and came back and all the – yeah. So I, I hightailed out there pretty quick after that. I shoot myself. Um, <laughs> and there was a – and apparently there's been poltergeist activity, which I've actually verified with the hick who came down to investigate it. Um, where there was a, there was all the setup because I work in theaters, so you can imagine that we, we've got like trolleys that have all the um, all the, the the sterile setups on them, oh, ready yeah. for the operations for the next yes. day. Yep. And the, the cleaners, the we had contract cleaners there who were mopping the floors and cleaning up, and all of a sudden all this stuff started flying off, right, and uh, right. it scared them so much they they went and called the hospital in charge, who came down, and basically stood at the end of the corridor and yelled at the ghost, and she called it George and said, "Okay, George, it's time to f off." <laughs> and, it all, and, it, and it all stopped. Yeah, right. Um, but the contract cleaners have never come back. They they now employ their own cleaners through the hospital. Right, it scared um, them that it, much that they just refused the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I thought it was a bullshit story until one one night I was actually talking to another nurse about it. I said, yeah, I was actually talking about some of the weird shit that, that has happened. And uh, and lo and behold, um, the hick was actually standing within earshot. And I said, apparently, you know, I said, apparently there's all this stuff flying off. And, and, and she packed her head around the corner and said, oh, yeah, that was me. I said, it was you. And she goes, yeah, yeah, that was actually me. And I said, what happened? <laughs> so she filled me in. Um, and she said, yeah, it was, it was almost like the Ghostbusters, you know, where all, all the stuff's, um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, flying off the like, all the bookshelves and, and that sort of stuff. She said, it was, all the stuff was flying off the self, uh, setup trolleys. Right, said, oh, that would definitely said, be spooky, and especially if they're theatre instruments. Like, there's some sharp stuff on those on those trolleys. Yeah, yeah, too, well, that's all and... and she said so. <laughs> a lot of it had to be re-sterilised, but it was, um, yeah, it was all stuff that was all wrapped up, ready for, for the operation for, for the next day, and it was all just flying off, laying on the floor. Yeah, that would, um, that would spook me for sure. Yeah, and the, now because now I've since been told to you, the rehab ward now only recently had um, patients throughout the night were hitting their buzzers because the room there was a vacant room next to them that was there was actually screams coming from it. Oh. And and when the nurses went to go and investigate there was you know they'd open up the door and it would stop. But when they'd close the door again and walk away, the screaming would start again. Oh no. Yeah that's <laughs> so I mean there's some that's crazy. stuff happening there and I could I could probably tell you yeah a, a whole heap of stories of things that have happened there. Oh well we'll we'll say we'll 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 check in again at some stage and and, and tell a few of those stories at a later yeah, date. Yeah. I, I, yeah, because there's a few other things that was funny. I just started writing things down. I'm thinking, oh, shit, you know. You've actually got a lot of stuff that's happened. Yeah, you, yeah. You are definitely one of those people who sees spirits. It's just a, just a bit bizarre because it's something I've never really asked for. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't see dead people or anything, but it's just. 
Yeah, that's the, that's the quote. What, what was that movie? Um, the Fifth, is it The Fifth Element? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Six> <laughs> <seems> song. Yeah. <laughs> he sees okay. dead people. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly never going to have any way to, to go looking for him. No, no, it's The um, Sixth Sense, not The Fifth Element, The Sixth Sense with yeah. Bruce Willis, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No yeah. worries, well, lovely to talk to you, Sarah. So and, um, lovely to talk to you too, Kieran. You take care. Thanks so much okay. for sharing and we'll um, we'll catch up again at some stage in the future. And that was Kieran with his ghostly stories. Thanks so much for sharing, Kieran. I know you're listening. Don't forget, the more we talk about this stuff, the more we normalise it for everyone. And hopefully the less stigma will be attached to it and the less ridicule people face when they talk about their experiences, whether they be about yaoi's or other paranormal stuff. And maybe if we educate people about yaoi's, we'll be able to protect them from people hunting them and destroying their habitat. And that is the best cause I could think of. If you've seen a yaoi or experienced something strange and mysterious, I'd love to talk to you and the Yaoi Central listeners would love to hear your story. Get in touch with me via yaoicentral at gmail.com or via the Yaoi Central Facebook group. Well, that's all I've got for you today, my friends. Yowie Central will be back next Wednesday, so I'll catch you then. Have a great week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. It won't be worth a dime when you're sucking the blood right out of your spine. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.